Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Nathan Pomart and this is Loose, the Climate Tech Podcast. Every week we interview a founder and explore the stories, ideas, innovations and businesses behind some of the most inspiring climate tech companies that have a tangible positive impact on our planet. This show is designed to help you learn, instigate optimism and inspire further action towards addressing the climate change challenge that we face as a global community. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader or investor interested in learning more about the climate tech space and how you can play a part in it, this show is for you. My guest today is Tim Hissel. Tim is the CEO and co-founder of Zinc5, an Oregon-based manufacturer of nickel-zinc batteries. Zinc5 offers powerful battery solutions for mission-critical applications that need to be on all the time. Zinc5 offers an alternative to other battery technologies such as lead acid or lithium ion that is safer, more sustainable and more reliable. Zinc5 recently completed a $75 million Series D from OGCI Investments. A repeat entrepreneur with more than three decades of experience, Tim started Zinc5 after perceiving the lack of good solution in the fast discharge battery space for critical applications. That is the focus of our discussion. In this episode, you will learn about the relative merits and environmental footprints of the different battery technologies, the latest innovation in this space so critical to support our energy transition, and what is driving the very fast adoption of new battery technologies in the data center industry. I hope you enjoy my discussion with Tim Hissel. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nathan. And thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you for doing this on a on a Friday afternoon. I'm very excited for this conversation. Batteries uh, are are so fundamental to to the energy transition, the electrification of our economy, and at the same time, they can be controversial sometimes with the issues around the environment and social footprint of extracting the raw materials, uh, and the poor recyclability of some of the existing batteries. So that's exactly where you come in. Um, it promises to be a fascinating discussion uh, and I'm quite excited for it. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and we're uh, happy to share our story. So let's, let's start with you, Tim. You have three decades of entrepreneurial experience. What's the backstory and how did that lead to you starting Zinc5? Yeah, it really began... Um, I acquired a company in, of all things in the traffic space, meaning traffic where you provide electronics and, and alike for signalized intersections, so stoplights that we drive through every day. Uh, I acquired that company back in 2006. And what I came to realize with my engineering team was there was a real deficiency around backing up those intersections when utility power was lost. And the only solution that was available at the time was lead acid batteries, which we all have grown up with. Um, so we started that journey thinking we wanted to build an alternative to lead acid for that particular use case. So it was a longer journey than we thought it would be, but we, we found a battery chemistry uh, called nickel zinc. And we fell in love with nickel zinc because of several reasons. It, it, there's safety involved. There's the climate impact story is outstanding. And, and there's a number of other things I'm sure we'll talk about during our time together. 
But the bottom line is we innovated the, the first ever full-scale battery backup system for that particular market using the nickel zinc batteries. No one in the world had ever done that. And so we did that. And then in November, really where the company, I think, began was in November of 2016. And that's where we merged that company, which was called Powergenics. We merged Powergenics into Zinc 5. And now we sit here today with the ability to solve enormous world problems with our battery chemistry, as well as the innovation around the batteries, what we call product solutions. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, we can go anywhere in the world we want to go. Uh, the batteries have so many wonderful attributes, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but it's just, you know, becoming a company that's more than just a battery manufacturer, which we do, but also providing innovative solutions for particular markets, which I know we'll talk about markets in a few minutes. I'd love to zoom on Zinc 5 mission and what drives you as a founder and as, and as a team. Thinking big picture, what, what is the impact that you set out to have on the world? Yeah, it's a host of things. Um, when we look at our products, um, we want to harness the, what we call the power of good chemistry for the world. And what do we mean by the power of good chemistry? Well, the power of good chemistry is not just a good product. It's, it's really the chemistry itself. Is it good for the planet? Is it good for our world? Does it have high recyclability? Is it safe? Safety is more important today than ever before because people hear stories every day about batteries having catastrophic events out there. So is it safe? Is it abundant? You know, it, what does it do to help drive what's called the total cost of ownership down for particular markets? As I've said before on many, many uh, interviews, you can have the best product and best battery chemistry in the world, but if you can't compete economically against the incumbents, the world won't adopt you no matter how important many of these other attributes are. So what we really look to solve for is, is basically a reduction in the use of lithium batteries and lead acid batteries because of the impact they have on climate, but also offering what we bring to the table with the power of good chemistry where it's safe. We're bringing in solid partners. The materials are abundant. So it's really a holistic view of what our impact is on the climate. And Tim, for those listening who are less familiar with the different types of batteries and their use cases, could you paint the picture of where you fitting with the nickel-zinc battery technology compared to the other ones you mentioned? And for which applications is your technology most useful? Absolutely. So our, our, our battery tech, we learned long ago that you have to find the markets where your battery chemistry is best uh, suited in terms of its performance. So in our, in our case, we call it immediate power. So when you think of immediate power, think of mission-critical applications, right? Data centers. Can't, we don't want our data centers to go down. Uh, we wouldn't be having this, inter, this interview right now if a, if a data center went down that's hosting this. So data yeah. centers, mission-critical, uh, very applicable to us. But to your primary question, you have to look at the duration of the discharge that the batteries have to go through and how many times it needs to do that. So we believe our battery is the best in the world at discharging in 15 minutes or less. And if you look at, say for instance, data centers, they need batteries for three to five minutes just for the on-site generators to power up. And so it doesn't disrupt things like we're doing right now. Now, when you look at other battery chemistries in that 15 minutes or less, that's difficult for 
lithium because it, there's more and more fears around fire, thermal runaway and explosion. If you look at lead acid batteries, which is another one of the historical battery chemistries used in data centers, if you look at that battery chemistry, it's really designed to be discharged over hours and hours and hours. So a very slow discharge, not 15 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. So if you try to use lead acid for that, the package gets incredibly large to try to do that. If you look at lithium, it's a bigger package size-wise than nickel zinc is. And that's simply because we're, we discharge so much faster, we can be in a smaller footprint. So that then creates a whole other set of advantages that we have. Re reduction in total square footage needed, safety, as I said earlier, we don't need fire suppression in data centers. Obviously, that's not the case with other battery chemistries. So really, there's a lot of differentiators between zinc-5 and, and say, um, lithium-ion or lead-acid batteries. But it's that, to answer your question, Nathan, very clearly, it's that 15 minutes or less is where we feel we can't be beat. It seems also that there is a sustainability differentiator between nickel-zinc and uh, lithium ion and, and lead acid. Could you talk through the life cycle of a battery from raw materials to recycling after the battery life? And where does the added sustainability of nickel zinc batteries come in? Absolutely. So, and I'll, I'll give you some hard numbers here in a second that we did with an independent party. Um, but if you take a look at the RAWs, you have to say, how abundant are your raw materials? How easily are they mined? How many places around the world can it be mined? And so you, that's really one of the fundamentals. And then when you build the batteries, you know, you have, okay, battery manufacturing, how much water are you using? We use hardly any, for example, in the manufacturing side. How much safety issues are there? What impact are you having in terms of CO2 emissions at your manufacturing level, right? That's important. Then you take a look yeah. at transportation costs. Batteries are heavy no matter whose battery you're looking at. Some are lighter like ours mm -hmm. and lithium, but nonetheless, the cost of transportation is one thing. And then ultimately it goes into a product. You have e-waste possibly, not possibly you do when it needs to be recycled and the batteries as well. But then they go to the customers, right? Every technology has an end of life. So when those, when that, those products and those batteries reach end of life, now what happens? Well, is there real value in the recycling process with the battery chemistry? In ours, we're over 90% recyclable. That's impressive, right? We can reuse that. How does that compare lithium. to the other battery technologies? Well, it's a fundamental problem with lithium right now is there's, they're mm. trying to figure out ways to recycle the batteries, but there's real, it's difficult because the cost of the recycling of the lithium batteries and what you get out on the other end, that cost, you know, it, it almost starts to go back to, it's, it's less expensive to just keep pulling it out of the earth right? Where that's not the case yeah. with nickel zinc, even, even uh, to defend lead acid, you know, lead acid's highly recyclable, right? Um, but the problem with lead acid is it's not always recycled in a very safe way around the entire world. Uh, third world mm. countries, you know, have real issues with this and you have, you know, hazardous lead and, and alike. So, but the bottom line is, is we're over 90% recyclable. And if I could give you just a quantifiable look at that uh, relative to that independent study we had done, uh, or worked with a company to do. Uh, we had a independent study done by a company called uh, Boundless Climate Impact. And I bring them up only because 
anybody that claims that as a company that claims that you have recyclability and you have a good climate impact story, you have to have third party validation of that. You just can't say it, right? It's got to yeah. be validated. So we had a, a study done independently and it proved that, you know, nickel zinc batteries are a, abundantly more uh, positive impact than, than other battery chemistries. But I tell you that because we've taken that in one step further and we started to look at particular vertical markets that adopt our technology. So let me use data centers as an example. In a data center, mm -hmm. if you were to deploy 1.2 megawatts of power to back up a data center, I, I want to equate this in terms of offset of CO2 emissions, our chemistry versus lithium versus lead acid. And I'll do this illustration with mature trees. So how many mature trees do we save by using our technology over those other two chemistries? Here's the answer. Mm -hmm. Lead acid batteries, we save over 17,000 mature trees just for 1.2 megawatts of deployment. There's gigawatts deployed annually across the world, right? Yes. If you compare that to lithium, we save, they, they, they take up 4,500 more mature trees for every 1.2 megawatts. That's, that's amazing where we only take up a thousand in terms of our total footprint. So you look at a thousand versus 4,500 versus 17,000 and it puts it in perspective. And that's coming from um, the increased recyclability and also from the more abundant raw materials that you are leveraging and from the fact that your manufacturing process is less CO2 intensive than the other technologies. Is that, is that a fair that's summary? Right. Yeah, that's right. And you also look at all the way back to the life cycle of recycling and the transportation costs and the CO2 emissions that take place with, with transport, pure transportation, right? Um, it all adds up in terms of the impact on our, on our planet. And we'll get back into the manufacturing process because I, I, I love to, to dive into this. As a segue into this, um, let's, so let's dive into your product and your business and let's start with the hard stuff. So what is critical to get right when you make batteries and battery cabinets? Mm -hmm. What is it that you want to get right for your customers to be happy? Yeah, well, you know, the battery chemistry, like we talked about earlier, the battery chemistry has to be the right fit for that particular use case. In our case, immediate power, short duration discharging, 15 minutes or less. We can go longer, by the way, Nathan, with discharging our batteries. Yeah. But it's all about economics. When you start getting out there in those longer durations, even though we can do it, unless you don't want to use, say, lithium for reasons around safety, environmental impact, you know, sustainability, all these things, if, you know, if you're not concerned about that, a longer duration discharge need is really quite frankly better served by lithium for instance electric vehicles right got it electric vehicles long yes. discharge it's not short discharges um you know the concerns around safety are there but lithium is probably the best battery chemistry for that for example so anyhow um yeah. back to back to our side of the story is you have to make sure it's the right battery fit so we're the right fit but then what we learned long ago is you can't just throw a battery into a, a particular vertical market because you think it's the right battery chemistry. You have to bring solutions to that space, right? To make it easy for adoption. What does that mean? 
that means taking your batteries and turning them into a full-scale product. So in our case, the words used in our industry is battery backup or UPS, but battery backup. So what we did in the data center space is we divide, uh, designed, a, if numbers mean anything, a 265kW battery cabinet with our nickel zinc batteries. And that was a, a, a solution that is compatible with these large outside equipment manufacturers called, you know, the ABBs, Vertish, Schneiders, and so on and so forth. They didn't have to do hardly yes. any work to couple it up with their UPS. That's allowed us to have significant adoption in this space in a very rapid, uh, rapid uh, cadence. Um, so I don't know if that, does that answer so as your you question? It does. And what I'm, what I'm hearing is um, one of the things that you want to get right is make it as easy as your as possible for your customers to to adopt your new technology in a context where there may have been infrastructure built around a legacy technology or a previously yeah. existing technology in the form of lead acid, if, if, if I That's got right. that right. No, you um, did. And I, I'll, I'll make it simple is, is we have to remove the point, uh, pain points right? The pain points that, uh, you know, that industry goes through to adopt a new technology, no matter how good it is. So that's, that's what allowed us to build that product, the battery cabinet for these co corporations, because the, it needs to be easy and, and, and motivational for them to adopt a new technology. You can't expect each one of those yes. large corporations to, to do all that work on your behalf. It, it's, it's just a lesson learned in the battery space. And zooming in on the, on the on the process of making batteries and solutions, uh, what is the input that you work with, and what are the key critical steps that you need to nail in order to get your end product at the level of quality that you are shooting for? Yeah, it's a long process. Um, first off, the batteries need to be characterized in, in the in the manufacturing process and they have to be reproducible and scalable which zinc 5 has already done with our, our batteries our nickel zinc batteries the batteries themselves so you have to you have to reach that place in your maturation before you can ever take your batteries and go to some market um, so that that's step one stable high volume manufacturing reproducible high yields etc and, and then and then you take them and you put them into products. And then on the product side, there's a massive amount of testing there, as you can imagine, because you're once again, you're going into mission critical applications, things that you can't they can't afford to have you fail. Right. Uh, there's big events if you do. So uh, you have to prove that the product solution with your battery chemistry in it now meets all of their specifications. Does it does it charge and discharge the right amount of times? How does it perform at certain temperatures uh, and a host of other things? And then then that customer looks at all other aspects about implementing it into the um, the data center, for example, like who's going to who's going to be the support organization. Right. So it's a holistic uh, business model that you have to be thinking about when you're doing not just batteries, but when you're doing actual products. So. And are you as a company fully integrated or do you go all the way to what is this? What is your starting point? You, you get raw materials and then you, you, you take it from there. Yeah. So the batteries themselves, currently we manufacture all on our own um, from the Got bras it. all the way through, 
through to the batteries. Uh, we're looking at joint ventures right now for higher volume manufacturing all around the world because of the, the commercial needs that's on us. So we're looking at partnerships uh, with other battery companies or strategic partners when it comes to the manufacturing of the batteries. And then when you look at the product solutions, in this case, I'm using one vertical, just data centers. But when you look at that vertical, we, we work with partners outside manufacturers to take our batteries and put them into those traffic, our, uh, pardon me, battery cabinets for the data center space. And so we right now have one of those currently online here in the U.S. Uh, we'll have another one before the end of the year, a second one. And then uh, we continue to hope to have those expansions around partnerships uh, across the world, for that matter. So if you hear me, Nathan, what I'm saying is how you broaden your penetration in commercial markets, not just data centers, but others, is through partnerships. If you try to do it all on your own, you'll never get there fast enough. And so partnerships on every level of what you do in a business model are, are the keys to success. Is there a green premium on your on your product today? From um, a, from a yeah. cost perspective, how does it compare to the existing alternatives? There there is, and it's it's one of the things that we're actually working on to try to quantify even further. Because with all the information I've shared with you so far, yes, the carbon payback, all those sorts of things are real, and so we're working on programs right now to be able to illustrate that to not only customers but suppliers and alike, because everybody wants to partner up with companies that have this sort of an impact. Uh, so we're working on that as we speak, but we think the outcome is going to be very nice. Got it. And asking, the, asking differently, does it cost more today to, to adopt a nickel zinc battery compared to a lead acid battery because of the fact that this is a technology that is more sustainable? And, yeah. and if so, Uh, how, how do you expect to, what, what are the technical challenges or industrial, industrial challenges that you're working on to, to bring that cost differential down? Sure. So when you, you look at, we'll just use data centers because it's a massive market. Yeah. But when you look at data centers, uh, the incumbent technology that's been around for years is lead acid, right? And so... When you look at the penetration that lithium has had in the data center space, somewhere around in the last five years, somewhere around 30%, uh, lithium entered this space being a much higher upfront cost and still is than lead acid. And frankly speaking, it's mm -hmm. just lead acid is very inexpensive to manufacture. So the industry is prepared to pay more because they're moving more towards this short duration discharging. And once again, lead acid just isn't a great fit. So, yeah. so when you take a look, when you take a look at all the wins that we have right now, all those commercial wins are frankly against lithium. Okay. because it's not really competing against okay. lead at that short duration. So when you, you look at that, our cost upfront cost over lithium is slightly higher, but the yeah. advantages that we have are safety. You don't need the fire suppression in the building. We operate at higher temperatures, so the consumption of utility power, which, by the way, data centers are the most massive consumer of power around the world, that if you can operate your data centers at a lower temperature, or higher, in this case, higher temperature, hence the reduction in your energy consumption, which is a major play. The third thing over, over yeah. lithium that we have is the huge climate impact sustainability story and recyclability story, which 
you know, these data centers are, are vocal about, many of them vocal about their climate impact and carbon neutrality by, you know, 2025, for example. So this is real. This is a real thing. And then here in the United States, I'll point out one other thing is the data centers here in the United States are getting a tremendous amount of pressure, uh, regulatory pressure about using lithium versus other battery chemistries from safety perspective. Mm. So, and that, that regulatory pressure, Nathan, is coming from the national uh, fire protection association. So it's, it's a real, it's a real thing. And then the fire marshals locally jump in too, when data centers are even considering lithium say over a, a safer choice like zinc five. You, you have today, I think about more than a hundred patents uh, for, for, for this technology. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, what are the key attributes of your culture? that you cultivate to foster this level of innovation and growth? Yeah, the, if you recall, I mentioned that we merged with Powergenics in, in November of 2016. Um, all of the patents that had been created at that time were all around the, the manufacturing of the nickel-zinc batteries, building a, a nickel-zinc battery that has this high-power, immediate discharging of you know, 15 minutes or less and perfecting that. And so you can imagine the massive amount of patents that existed there that we, we inherited when we merged the two companies together. And then, um, since then, we've now have patents on the solutions. So as just an example in our traffic application where we back up signalized intersections, we have a battery that literally bends, literally bends and goes into a one, one inch space. That's patented. So you can see mm -hmm. we have patents across the whole uh, life cycle, if you will. We hope to have some intellectual property in the next year or so around recyclability that will make our story even better, where it will be smelt free, for example. Um, those things are all important. But if, you, if you're asking about the culture of what, what motivates people for that, as I always say to our, our entire company, we, let's go change the world. Right. We have the opportunity to go change the world when it comes to climate impact, when it comes to our technology. And so we hire the type of people where they're motivated to do that. Right. It's just part of their DNA. And so that's a little bit about the IP portfolio, but also the culture we drive um, to make it happen. Tim, let's let's talk a little bit about your 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 customers so far we've talked about data centers are there other segments of customers that you are able to serve uh, with your technology you, you mentioned the traffic uh, traffic lights yeah. intermittent power so that that might be another one what are the key uh, applications beyond data centers that you enable Yes. So really good question. So we talked a lot about uh, relative to short duration, 15 minutes and less, but there's another product that we launched here in Q1 of 2022, and it's an industrial starting battery solution. So what we haven't talked about, Nathan, is our batteries, our nickel zinc batteries have a massive amount of cranking capacity compared to other battery chemistries. So when you take mm -hmm. a look at where you need that cranking capacity, an example of that is these large, large megawatt generators that they sit there idle doing nothing at a data center. And then when utility power's lost, we bridge the gap between the data center or between utility power and the, and the generator 
But now that generator, it's really mission critical that it starts, right? And so these huge generators have massive, massive cranking needs. So I'll give you a competitive, competitive example. Most commonly in that space, you're using lead acid technologies. They're called 8D batteries. So they're quite large. Um, in fact, one 8D battery takes up the space of two of our, our batteries that we use for this. Now, let me just give mm-hmm. you an illustration. It takes four of those 8D batteries or more to crank up a large generator. Our battery package is the size of one of those 8D batteries. We have more cranking Got capacity. It. We have longer life. They don't have to worry about the recyclability and the fade that you get with lead acid. There's just a, so many advantages for using our nickel zinc batteries for that kind of use case. It's, it's hard to even comprehend. And plus, it comes back to the, the climate impact story, right? You can imagine the tree yes. illustration. We have a tree illustration for that particular market as well. But to, to get, answer a few of your other questions around this, this topic, is anything for short duration. So there's there's a lot of needs out there for what's called peak shaving, right? When utility rates are incredibly high, you want to avoid yes. those peak rates. And so using batteries, once again, for very short duration, we'll be great at that. Um, you know, if you take a look at, you know, the electric vehicle market, one of the concerns around the electric vehicle market isn't just the supply chain of lithium batteries, but it's also the charging infrastructure, right? around the world well you don't stand up additional power for ev charging overnight it's it's a very long expensive process so we believe there's a real opportunity to have portable ev charging stations right where you can take them around say say the likes of amazon amazon fedex doesn't matter when they want to go to charge all their electric fleet vehicles at one time going to be very difficult to do that off the grid so using batteries and other forms. Now we would just be a partner within that solution with a longer duration battery. Right. Um, but there's again, yep. another market that we see. So there's a lot of excitement around the world. You know, when you take a look at what we've done so far, it's really just uh, mostly North America and a, and a few things outside of the U S but uh, as we spread the word, um, think five is going to be very, very, and- we already are very busy. Precisely on the uh, on the topic of going um, to new segments and new geographies, you recently completed a $75 million Series D investment. And congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. Um, what do you intend to use the funds for? Yeah, so short term, uh, the funds are used. Well, short term, we're looking at the funds to be used for establishing U.S.-based manufacturing. Uh, right now, we manufacture our batteries in China with our own people, our own equipment. Um, but there are many, many commercial things happening to us this year. I'll give you an example. We're experiencing, oh gosh, uh, 12x growth from last mm. year to this year. 12x growth in that battery cabinet, right? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine yeah. what's going through uh, our minds at Zing 5. And, and a lot of those customers are here in North America. Some of them are in Iceland and Canada and other places, but the use of proceeds we want to have, we want to stand up a U.S.-based manufacturing facility for all the right reasons here in the U.S. Um, but that's that's part of the use of proceeds. We're going such, through such a fast growth rate with employees. We're currently at 180 employees worldwide. 
you know, we'll probably be close to 250 by the end of next year. Uh, it's just that kind of infrastructure that's being built as we speak. And so, um, you know, the, the Series D raise was exciting, but, you know, the growth capital that's in front of us is, is more exciting. What is it that happened that, that explains that you unlocked this, you know, 12x growth in the, in the, in the battery cabinets? Did you manage to crack something product-wise or did customers uh, wake up to, to maybe did, did the preferences of customers change and they started paying more attention to some of the criteria that you helped them answer better? What, what happened? Yeah, it really started with, you know, and as you've heard me say, you can't just have a great battery, you have to have a solution, right? And so we, we've been working on that solution, in this case, the 265 kW battery cabinet for a couple of years. And while we were doing that, Nathan, what we did is, is our sales team, a relatively small sales team, had been going out to the actual operators of data centers and starting to tell them that, hey, this is coming. This is the advantages of nickel, zinc, zinc 5 footprint, safety, reliability, all these things, sustainability, and it created a real buzz. And so mm. those data center customers then started to go into going to their suppliers, the likes of ABB, Vertiv, Schneider, Eaton, and so on. I said, Hey, why aren't you offering me zinc five and nickel zinc batteries? It sounds like something we, we would really want. And so while those two things were happening in apparently, plus we were going and working with design firms right? Who design yep. data centers. And when you're designing data centers, if you need less fire suppression, you need less space for your batteries, all of those things are very meaningful. And so it was a multifaceted approach. And so I can't point to one thing. If I had yep. to, I would say the, la the launch of a, of a product that people could no longer look away and sort of, you know, push off until you're ready. We're ready. So, yeah. and there was a, there's customer polling, you know, customers polling at, at everybody to get our technology adopted. So that I, you know, collectively is, is the reason. And then, you know, once they hear our sustainability story and the pressures on these data centers are immense to be, you know, more friendly to the climate. So they're looking at every piece of their supply chain and who's doing something to impact that. Then, for the last few minutes that we have, for, for those of us who are not familiar with the with the market landscape in, in, in that part of, of the industry, can you explain a bit the interplay between the different stakeholders that you mentioned? So the, the, the data center operators, the ABB, Schneider firms, like what do, mm -hmm. what do these do? Where do they come in? And then the design firms, how, how does that, what is the role of these different players and it sounds like you yeah. have to have a multi, as you said, multifaceted uh, sales conversation playing on these different uh, grounds, basically, to, 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 to make yeah. your product more, more uh, known and, and more familiar to the, these different stakeholders. Yes. And so I would start at a high level, Nathan, and say, when you take a look at any industry, you, and in particular data centers, you're asking how much opportunity is what's called a brownfield or existing data centers that need to replace their batteries with something new. Okay. Yeah. And then you have the greenfield, which is new data center builds. And so predominantly we've been focusing on the new data center builds because they're designing data centers to be, you know, less space with batteries, less fire suppression, all these things, right. Higher power density, et cetera. 
So when you look at now the market segmentation, you have what's called hyperscalers. Think mm. of hyperscalers as the likes of AWS, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and so on. You, you also then have what's called enterprise or even co-location providers where they build data centers to lease space to customers, their, their yes. computing space. So when you take a look at those segments, outside of the hyperscalers, all those other data centers really are their sales and support organizations to them are the likes of these large corporations like ABB, Vertiv, Schneider, Eaton, and so on. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so now that, now that you have that, then you say, okay, well, where's the different products needed for each of those? Okay. So if I start at the hyperscale level, they are tr trying to take battery backup and distributing it further and further downstream, closer to the, the demand need. So our battery cabinet is meant to be at the end of a, in a large battery room or at the end of a server row, but the hyperscalers want to put the battery back up at the bottom of the server rack. Okay. Yes. So you see yeah. how it's getting distributed further and closer to the load. So we've been working with hyperscalers close to three years now, and we believe we're getting pretty close. I can't name a name or names, but we're, we feel like we're getting very, very close because of all the advantages in the space and all the things that come with our technology for the bottom of the server racks. There's even work being done, taking it a step further, Nathan, and that's taking and putting battery backup into each individual server. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mm -hmm. you can see the domino effect of where the battery backup is, is being applied. Now that's and obviously predominantly all your technology being more dense, more compact enables this thing, which was more difficult before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and there's, there's, I, I won't go deep in the technology, but there's a, a thing around reliability, right? What's something yeah. unique about zinc fives, nickel zinc batteries is every manufacturer strings batteries together. What's unique about zinc five is if one of those batteries in that string were to fail, the whole system doesn't have to shut down due to yes. safety, thermal runaway, explosion. That is so meaningful to a data center because now it's planned maintenance. It's not mm. catastrophic emergency, maintenance, for example. So yeah, it's, it's a really big deal. Uh, so you have, you know, battery cabinets, batteries, backups going to the bottom of server racks, going into servers. And so it's a, it's a massive, massive market that we believe we have a huge advantage over. Tim, to, to, to finish, I'd like to talk about the team. Uh, clearly, you know, 180 to about 230 employees soon. What, what are mm -hmm. the, key, the key skills, the key competencies that you need to have in the team to, to be able to achieve what you're, what you're doing? Well, you, you know, you, you look at, number one, the markets we're going after, and do we have the team to go after those markets, number one. Number two, do we have, I, I, people ask me all the time, gosh, you guys must really be big into R&D, right? Research yeah. and development. And I always say, I always say, we're little R and big D, right? Got it. And what I yeah. mean by that is our, there's no real research that needs to be done on our battery chemistry. Right. We can continue to make it better, by the way. There's a lot of headroom with what we can do with the battery chemistry, but it's a viable commercial battery chemistry today in these immediate power applications. And so back to your question about 
how you build out this infrastructure is it's, it's operational infrastructure, it's sales and marketing, it's, it's engineering around development of new products. But even that, Nathan, we contract a lot of that out. Mm-hmm. We serve as really the experts around the technology and, and the intellectual knowledge of what to do with it. But we try to contract and partner out with as much of that as we can. Got it. So it's, it's, it's all of these things as you're building out this infrastructure. And let's not forget manufacturing capacity, right? Uh, we right now will finish this year with the, cap- the ability to generate about 120 to $130 million in revenue for next year. Uh, you know, we have that capacity now, um, you know, it, to, to stand up another hundred, but this is unique about Zinc 5, Nickel Zinc, to stand up another manufacturing facility that can generate 100 to $150 million in top line revenue is a $25 million investment. Yeah. And that's pretty yeah. low CapEx cost. So, yeah, I tell you that to your question because it's all of these things that are intertwined that you have to be thinking about and the people that you need to continue to generate on this fast of a growth rate. As you look back since you started the, the journey in, let's say, 2016, even though there was a, a preamble to that, what is the thing that has surprised you the most about this industry and your, and your journey that you did not expect at the beginning? I, I didn't expect to have to build products, mm. right? <laughs> I, I, I thought the bat- I was naive enough to think that if you had a, a, a battery chemistry that had all of these va- advantages and you knew what market to play in, that I thought industries would just sort of clamor to the, to the chemistry, or to, yeah. in this case, to nickel zinc. Uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, Everybody's too busy in their own lives. Each industry is, you know, to adopt new technologies. And keep in mind, Nathan, the markets we go after are mission critical. So people are already risk adverse. Yes. To, to any they don't want to change something and that you cannot they don't want to change. have less than 100% of the yeah. time on. So when you take away virtually every pain point they have with regards to adopting your technology and it's better and you have customers pulling at the industry to say, I want this. Um, that's, that's the, the, the beauty of it. Uh, but I would say the one thing that, you know, stands out to me is, and it, it, it is that issue of you, you can't just be a battery chemistry. You have to be a solutions provider. But I would also say in a bigger picture that it all takes so much longer than you think it's going to mm-hmm. take to get to these places like we're at today. And the amount of capital it takes to get to where we are today is over a hundred million dollars, if not closer to 200 million to get to where we are today. And I really encourage other battery chemistries to, even if you're early stage to keep swinging, if you really have something that's going to change the world, uh, if it's going to make it slightly better, you've probably got a really long road ahead of you or maybe a short road because you won't get funding. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 root, I, I root for all battery chemistries that really have something meaningful for the world. Thank you, Tim. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Um, I, 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 I look forward to re-listening to it, actually. Uh, and, um, and I wish you the, the, the best for the, for the future of your company. Nathan, thank you for giving us an opportunity. We, we enjoy sharing our story. We think it's unique 
And uh, we're, we're really excited where we are today and in our future and, and, and what it means to the world. So thanks for having us. You can find out more about Zinc5 on their website, zinc5.com, including the links to the studies Tim mentioned. If you enjoyed this episode, follow up on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned for more insightful conversations with some of the most inspiring climate tech founders.